And the reading this evening is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good evening. It's lovely to see you. And I think a number of people are here for the first time, so a special welcome to you. And if you've come back, well done. It's nice to see you too. My name is Rupert Charkham. I'm the vicar of this place. Shall we pray that God would speak to us from his word? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word before us tonight. Thank you for Psalm 23. And we pray, Lord, that you'd open the psalm up to us, that we'd engage with it, we'd engage with you. And through it, you'd be able to draw us closer to you. Take what I've prepared, please, Lord, and by your Holy Spirit, make it useful. In Jesus' name, amen. We've just embarked on a new sermon series and it's entitled Looking at Life from Unexpected Angles. And last week, we looked at life from a serpent's point of view. And today, we're looking at life from a sheep's point of view. I remember hearing someone preach, actually, on this psalm quite a few years ago. And he described driving through the New Forest and having to stop because there was a sheep bang in his way. And he was obviously a lot more familiar with animals than I am, and he got out of his car, and he picked the sheep up, and he moved it. And he said, as I picked up the sheep, we had one of those encounters where eyeball to eyeball, we were staring at each other. And he said, I knew precisely at that moment what the sheep was thinking. Nothing. And he said, because that's what sheep do. So, tonight, are you ready for a sheep's point of view? I was just reflecting. You'd never guess this, I know. But I was just reflecting that the moment anyone suggests from the front, now, let's imagine we're a sheep, is the moment I absolutely don't want to. It's like, you know, I loathe those kind of exercises. I don't like it. If someone says, just imagine you're a dinosaur or a dragon or an earwig, I just can't bear it. The next nightmare that comes with that is, what animal would you choose to be? Followed only by what color represents you. Well, sheep and me know nothing about each other. I grew up in central London. If this, if this psalm began, the Lord is my bus conductor, <laughs> I would absolutely know where to go with it. But it doesn't. So I've had to resort to a book on sheep and I have learned a huge amount and, and of course I'm going to pass it all on to you in the middle of this sermon 
couple of years ago, I had a sabbatical break, and I read this psalm every single day for about three months. And I've learned so much about drawing close to God through this psalm. This psalm, when I started to read it, was frustrating. Because I'm the kind of person who likes to get from A to B. If you go on a journey, if I'm on my way in a journey, I'm interested just in the destination and the time it'll take to get there. It doesn't come naturally to me to kind of look around and mosey in the countryside. You know. But if we're going to get to grips with this psalm, if we're going to be strengthened by this psalm, if we're going to be taught by this psalm, it's absolutely necessary to be prepared to meander. It's necessary to slow up. And what we're going to do together is we are going to look at Psalm 23 from the vantage point of a sheep, but not just a sheep. I've called this talk the most fortunate sheep in the world. This psalm describes the most fortunate sheep in the world. So let's look at it together. I'm sure that one of the advantages of a psalm is that many of you will know it off by heart. But perhaps that's also a slight disadvantage because we're too over-familiar with the shape of the words without taking them in. So here's the very first thing I want us to notice. This sheep is a sheep who's incredibly well looked after, amazingly well provided for. In verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Or some of us will be familiar with the translation, I shall not be in want. Now you will have noticed, I'm sure, that in scripture when God says something once, it's true. When he repeats it, it's like he's underlining that it's true. And when he repeats something many, many times, I suspect it's because it's a truth that not only does he not want us to miss it, but it's a truth that we find difficult to take to heart. And so it's repeated again and again and again. And this promise, this truth, that if the Lord is your shepherd, you lack nothing, that is repeated many, many times in Scripture. Let me read some of the times. Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Psalm 34, verse 9. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. Are we getting the hang of this? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And here in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, of course, God is not offering to supply all our wants. Every good parent knows that giving a child everything that they want 
is a recipe for a disaster for a very spoilt and unpleasant child. But God's promise is repeated time and again to assure us that he will be going to supply all our needs. What is God good for? He's good for that, satisfying my deepest needs. Now, the person I turned to who wrote a book about shepherding and sheep in the time when scriptures were written is a man called Kenneth Bailey. And uh, he comments on this very first verse in, in an accurate but slightly catty sort of way. And I'll read it to you. He says, the psalmist has a very basic set of wants that the shepherd provides for his sheep. That list includes food, drink, tranquility, rescue when lost, freedom from the fear of evil and death, a sense of being surrounded by the grace of the Lord, and a permanent dwelling place in the house of God. An ever-rising mountain of material possessions is not on the list of what is provided. There's no hint of any need for power or control. An externally generated set of compulsive desires and the need to be constantly entertained are also absent. Well, he's right. But notice everything that the Lord does provide. The Lord is our good shepherd. And we shouldn't miss, because you know this, that the writer of this psalm, King David, he had by no means lived a faultless life, had he? So who qualifies to be a sheep under the care of the Lord? Well, if, I'm tempted to say if David is not disqualified, there's hope for all of us. What we do know about him, he's on record as he cheated on his wife and he had an affair. He's on record of inciting the murder of a man called Uriah. And God love enveloped him. So a quick reality check before we move on to the next point. Is verse 1 true for you? Could you honestly say the Lord is your shepherd? There's not a single word of the first five words that you can change and the meaning comes out right. You can't say, because life is working out for me financially, I shall lack nothing. Or, because my family is behaving itself, generally speaking, I will lack nothing. Or, because I've gone into Cambridge, I will lack nothing. But what you can say, if the Lord is your shepherd, you will lack nothing. And jumping into the sheep metaphor, a life lived out of touch with a good shepherd will be a life of struggle for the sheep. You may not realize what is missing because you can be lost without realizing you're lost. But until you invite the Lord to be your shepherd, you haven't connected with life at its best. So it is important, it is important to set off right. So that's the very first, the very first point. This Sheep is incredibly well provided for. The second thing is that the God who's described as our shepherd is in the restoration business. We talk about antique restorers, furniture restorers. He's a soul restorer. 
He's a soul refresher. And so in verse 2 and 3, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. And he restores my soul, or he refreshes my soul. And of course, if you're an activist, this, this verse is quite threatening, really, and quite difficult. He makes me lie down. He leads me besides quiet waters. It can be quite difficult to want to be still. But God has an uncanny knack of making us be still if he has to. Sometimes just by wearing us out, or we wear ourselves out. Sometimes we're struck with an illness. Many is the person who's found themselves lying on their back looking at the ceiling and realizing I'm still for the first time in a very long time, and God's able to get through to them. Apparently, it's incredibly difficult to get a sheep to be still. So turning to Mr. Bailey again, a dog can be trained to sit and to lie down, not so sheep. We know the saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. In like manner, no one can make a sheep lie down. Sheep will only lie down when they have plenty to eat, have quenched their thirst, and are not threatened by any wild animal or disturbed by biting insects. The barking of one stray dog can cause an entire herd to jump and even run off, if not stopped by an alert shepherd. And then he says, I prefer the translation, he settles me down. At the end of every service here at HT, we offer prayer ministry. And by far the most common uh, prayer request is for refreshment. By far the most common complaint is people who are exhausted. Quite often, actually, a very helpful way towards recovery would simply be a few early nights. But assuming that, you know, it, there is a rightness in being still and asking the Lord for refreshment. It's on offer here. It's in the script. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing to be able to do. But again, a reality check. When you think about your lifestyle, how healthy is it? Have you put into your diary things that will refresh you? And it's going to be different for every single one of us. Some people are refreshed by spending time with other people, but some people are exhausted by that. Solitude refreshes some, a crowd refreshes others. Some like uh, sport, and that refreshes them. For some, that's a nightmare. Some like uh, art galleries, listening to music, all sorts of things. And God is not absent when you're doing those things. If we want to run and not grow weary, if we want to be refreshed, we should build it in. And at the beginning of a new academic year, it's worth saying that, it's worth hearing that, because if you don't build it in, no one else is going to do it for you. Well, this particular sheep lies down in green pastures, and he feels safe there, and God is able to do soul surgery. And he loves to do that. This kind of picture is used elsewhere in Isaiah where we're told that God tends his flock like a shepherd. 
that he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. I love that. So that they can catch his heartbeat. Jesus did this with the disciples. When they were frantically busy, he said to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. And I hope and I pray that that's something you already do. That built into your daily life, as it is in mine, is just getting to a quiet place and being still and trying to focus on Jesus Christ. Well, I'll move on. The third thing about the most fortunate sheep in the world is in verse 3. It's a sheep that is guided. He's not left to roam lost. The shepherd makes sure he knows what direction to go in. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. One of the subjects that followers of Christ get into a massive stew about is guidance. And one can understand why. Except that if you are any kind of shepherd, any kind of a shepherd, you have to know how to guide your sheep. If you are writing down a job description of even the average shepherd, the plonk along, bog standard shepherd, it's not a kind of added extra requirement for those who can do it, guidance. It's like the number one thing, because as I said at the beginning, sheep are brainless and they just wander all over the place. So even the worst shepherd has a skill of guiding sheep. And we're not talking, are we, about the worst shepherd. We're talking about the world's best ever shepherd. And so it stands to reason that he would be highly accomplished in guidance, or as he wouldn't qualify for being a good shepherd. And it's on God's heart to lead his sheep for his own name's sake, meaning for his own reputation. God's reputation would plummet if his followers just wandered around looking lost and gormless. That's not in his interest, and it's not in our interest either. This shepherd will go to great lengths to guide his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. He speaks to his sheep, he says. His sheep know him by name, and they follow him. God's heart is to guide us, but it does mean that we've got to be listening. Are you prepared to be guided? Am I prepared to be guided? If God speaks to me or speaks to you, through the scriptures, through a friend, in accordance with the scriptures, etc., would you say, yes, Lord? Because the more obedient we are, the easier he will find it to guide us, and the more he will guide us. Let's return to the shepherd with confidence that he will guide us. And then the fourth point, and I'm whizzing through these. Did you know that sheep have a theme song? It's not Bar Bar Black Sheep. This sheep's theme song, it seems to me, is you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Every step of the way, every step of the way, this sheep knows that the shepherd is close by. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. There is nothing we can do and nowhere we can go where God can't come with us. And he promises to do that. 
And those words, I am with you, make all the difference in the world. Some years ago, a close friend of mine was suffering from cancer, which was to kill her. And she wrote to me, having been through a CAT and MRI scan. I had written to her saying that I was praying for her, but my autocorrect typing, I'd misspelled praying, and so she got an email headed, pranging for you. But so she wrote to me, thank you for pranging. Then she described, I felt him, with a capital H, so close to me as the machine was wearing. In fact, I found myself smiling at him. Then I laughed to myself at the thought of him enabling me to do this in such a place. Without him, I would have been a nervous, terrified wreck. The whole episode ended with a giggle with the two radiographers. It was extraordinarily a pleasant experience with only a huge bruise on my hand, not painful, to show that I'd ever been there. God said to Isaiah, when you walk through the fire, I'm with you. And Jesus promised us, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. And here in the psalm, it's echoed just like that. In fact, if you read the psalm carefully, you can see that to begin with, the Lord leads, he's ahead. In the middle of the psalm, he walks alongside the sheep. Even though I walk through the valley, you're with me. And at the end of the psalm, he follows the sheep. We have all around us the Lord's protection and company. There's no situation, isn't this good to know? There's no situation in which God will be distant from us. And also in the psalm, in verse 5, it's very realistic. God is with this sheep, but life is not necessarily easy. In the presence of enemies, his cup overflows. The reality of a sheep's life continues to be testing. It's surrounded by threats, dangers, enemies even. But even then, God's comfort is assured. And this is, this is exactly how our path of discipleship works out. It, it, I think it's a good picture of like a twin tracks, like a train track, where you have blessing on one side and buffeting on the other, and the wheels of the carriage are resting on both. It's very often, it's not periods of one followed by the other, it's both happening at the same time. And evidently in this psalm, that's exactly what's happening. In the presence of the enemies, God lays a table, a banqueting table, and anoints a sheet with oil, and his cup overflows. And then finally, the last point of a blessed life of the sheep is exactly that. It's blessing, blessing, blessing. All the days of his life. Verse 6, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Stuart was talking about it this morning, about God's good plans for our lives. And the psalm is saying exactly the same thing. God could say over every single one of us, I know the plans I have for you and their plans would include blessing. Blessing now, blessing in the future, blessing forever. The security of knowing that we dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I remember going to see a friend who was also a preacher many years ago, and he knew, he knew that he was dying. And he said to me, Rupert, I'm not worried or afraid of dying. 
He said, in fact, I feel like I have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. And I don't particularly mind which leg I land on. And I thought, there is someone who is rock solid secure in their relationship with God. That's what this psalm operates, offers. David, many times in the Psalms, describes himself as taking refuge in God. And I offer it to you as an idea that if ever you need to take refuge in God, this is a great psalm to go to. You find yourself hedged around with protection, fueled with hope. As we read, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this psalm which has become such a treasure all around the world to so many people. Thank you for opening our eyes to the blessings that you have for us. And we want to engage with you, not just read it as great poetry or comforting thoughts. We want to engage with you, the Good Shepherd, We want to be able to be still and know that you could restore us, that we need not be afraid of letting you into our lives. We want to give you access to our innermost thoughts. Thank you that we can know that we don't have to hide anything from you. You know us exactly. In a sense, you know how thick we are and that our thoughts are, are really insignificant compared to yours and so different from yours and yet you love us. You have constantly forgiveness for us, hope for us, a new life for us. We're grateful for that and we pray that you would guide us for your name's sake and we would say yes, Lord. And we pray for us as your family here, as your flock here, that we might comfort one another, strengthen one another, minister to one another. And that you'd be pleased to add to our number those who come to know you. Because we found in you peace, and we found in you hope, and we found in you blessings, and the assurance of life forever in your company. And we're so grateful that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and will dwell in your house forever. Amen.